going to go without a, a mask because I'm going to be talking and the microphone doesn't work well with the mask and I've, I've got myself six feet distant from all of you so y'all have to stay where you're at so we don't have any trouble, see? All right? No rushing the speaker. Well, welcome everyone uh, tonight to St. Patrick's Catholic Church, those here in the church and those joining us uh, online for a, a night that I've, I've entitled Curious Christmas Carols. Because quite frankly, we, we sing Christmas carols all the time, and we, we love Christmas carols. But do we really know some of the stuff that we, we sing uh, in, in these carols? And so we're going to take some pretty popular ones that you might know, and either some of the words are a little strange, or maybe there's that second or third verse that we, like, what was that about? Let's get back to the one that we know. Um, so we've got all these kinds of things, and some of these Christmas songs, or Advent songs as we'll see, um, are, are pretty darn theological when they get right down to it. Um, I'm going to take you through a little tour of some of those, and some you might not think about. Some that seem a little secular, perhaps, but actually have some really good religious meaning in there. Okay? So as we begin, let's uh, offer a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dear God, we thank you for this beautiful season of, of Advent, a time in which our, our senses are led to detach from worldly things, to make space for silence, for quiet, for even darkness, that we would appreciate the returning of the light, that we would appreciate, most of all, your presence in our lives as you speak in the silence, and tonight even speak to us through music, and the way we put beautiful words to music to help us meditate on the, the beautiful truths of what Advent points us towards, the coming of Jesus at Christmas. Uh, tonight we ask you to bless all those who have come, to bless Cindy for her beautiful gift of music on the piano, uh, inspire all of us to, to hear and to have our hearts stirred up for expectation for the coming of Jesus, not just at Christmas, but here tonight and every day. We ask this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O come, O wisdom from on high, who orders all things mightily, to us the path of knowledge show, and teach us in her ways to go. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to is the first verse of the tune that we all know is O come, O come, Emmanuel. That's uh, probably your favorite Advent song, because how many Advent songs do you really know? Um, <laughs> if you think about it, let's get to Deck the Halls, why don't we? Because Advent, uh, yeah, there's O come, O come, Emmanuel, and um, you know, those other Advent songs. There are actually other ones I, I love. Uh, comfort, comfort, you my people. Father Mark was singing that the other day around the rectory and on Jordan's bank, the Baptist cry. And there are other Advent songs, but let's face it, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel kind of dwarfs them all. What you might not know is that the verses of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel are actually uh, very, very old and they form part of an important part of the liturgy that begins actually today. 
this is December 17th when we are meeting here today. And on December 17th, the, the liturgy in the church changes because if you haven't checked the calendar, we are a week from Christmas Eve. And so because Christmas is always December 25th, the, the church can actually say on December 17th, the liturgy will change and we will start to do specific things that get us ready for Christmas. And part of that is that each evening during Vespers, and so if you don't know Vespers or evening prayer, is a prayer that priests, religious, and really the whole church pray every night in the evening. And we always pray one specific prayer every day, and that is Mary's beautiful hymn of rejoicing, the Magnificat. Magnificat anima mea dominum. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. We pray that every night. And because we pray it every day, we, we add little antiphons to it, or little verses, to kind of give it a little flavor for the day. Well, beginning tonight, December 17th, so Father Mark and I just finished praying, at least I prayed. I don't know if you did or not, but I, at some point before bed, we will both have prayed uh, evening prayer, Vespers, and beginning tonight, the church gives us seven specific little antiphons to go with the Magnificat, known as the O antiphons. Anybody here ever the O antiphons before? Okay, good. We got no one here that, well, we got a few bashful hands because you watched John the Baptist live last night probably and I talked about it. Uh, but O, literally like the letter O. Uh, and they get that fancy name O antiphons because all of the antiphons start with O. Uh, o comma, O comma Emmanuel. Well, tonight I sang the verse for tonight, which is O wisdom, O sapientia. Uh, there are actually seven of these. So we start with wisdom tonight, and they're all titles of the coming Messiah. So O Sapientia, O Wisdom. Uh, then we have O Adonai, that's the name of God, Lord. Uh, then we have Rodix Jesse, Root of Jesse. Uh, remember, a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse. So the Root of Jesse, that's one of the titles of the Messiah. Clavi uh, Stavi, Key of David. Uh, o Oriens. O Rex Gentium, O King of Nations, O come desire of nations, find that verse. Uh, and then finally, the one that we all know that the whole song gets its name from, O Emmanuel. So over the next seven days, we get each of those. And if you take the first letter of each of them and spell it backwards, it's kind of neat because you get arrow, cross, uh, which in Latin means tomorrow I will come. Uh, and literally you finish on Christmas Eve. Uh, and, and, and then Jesus comes. So that little Advent song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is actually based on the evening prayer of the church on the next seven nights. So even if you don't pray the Liturgy of the Hours or never heard of it, Google O Antiphons, just the letter O Antiphons, and you can see them all. And if you're looking for a way to pray over the next seven days, you're like, okay, it's not Christmas Eve yet, what do we do? But it's almost Christmas, kind of. We, we lit the rose candle, so we're kind of there. Well, maybe Google all antiphons, and you can pray with those. Um, so uh, maybe we can sing a little chorus of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, uh, together. I don't know. Was Cindy, Cindy is hiding behind the organ. Were, were you going to play any of that, or should we just sing, do you think? By the way, we're going to keep it kind of fluid tonight, because I've got some Christmas carols I'd like to talk about, but maybe you do. Maybe you're like, who is this Rudolph guy? What about him? Oh, 
It's literally Gaudé, Gaudé. So that's very nice. All right, everyone good with Advent? All right, enough. Uh, so there's Advent. Let's talk about Christmas, because these are the carols we really know. We've, we've finished the Advent repertoire. I want to look at Hark the Herald Angels Sing to start us off tonight. Um, this is a nice little song that the, uh, the first verse, um, let's sing through the first verse together. And maybe what we'll do a little bit tonight is we'll kind of sing the verse you know, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you about the verses you don't know, or the ones that you don't like to talk about because you don't know what they mean. So let's let's do a little heart the herald. I do not know. Uh, how common womb rhyme, I don't know. But 
the first verse is kind of simple. You know, we got, yay, glory, angels singing, peace on earth. That's straight out of the Gloria. Joyful, all ye nations. Very good. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Yes, that's what the, heralds, the angels say. So the hark, the herald angels, this is referring to the angels over Bethlehem that, that are meeting the shepherds and they're singing glory to God. All right, everybody's got that part. So Christ by highest heaven adored. That's the angels adoring him. Christ the everlasting Lord. This actually harkens back to one of those verses of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, Adonai. That's the, uh, the Hebrew word for Lord. And uh, we all know that God reveals his name as Yahweh to Moses in the burning bush. But you never say that name because you don't take God's name in vain. Instead, you say Lord. So Adonai is the title of God. And so Christ the everlasting Lord, we're saying that Jesus is the Christ, the Mashiach, the Messiah, who is also Adonai the Lord God. So that little verse right there, Christ the everlasting Lord, you're like, I don't know, I'll sing it because it rhymes with adored and that's kind of neat, why not? Well, Christ, Christos, Kyrie, Christe, eleison, like we sing at Mass, all the same word, it means anointed one. So we're saying that this little baby that the angels are heralding is the Christos, the Mashiach, the Messiah, so that's good news. But he's also God. He's also Adonai, Christ the everlasting Lord. When you hear Lord, think that's God, Adonai. Late in time, behold him come. Late in time, what is that? Well, Jesus is born at the time of fulfillment of lots of prophecies. In fact, the prophet Daniel, 490 years previously said, in 490 years, the Messiah will be born give or take. And guess what? He said that about 490 BC. So we're at about the year zero BC. So late in time means God has taken a long time, first of all, to get to the point of the coming of the Messiah. But it's also at the exact time that God told the prophet Daniel that this would happen. So late in time means it's up. It's time for the Messiah to be born. Offspring of a virgin's Womb. Womb. Go with it. Um, right. We get that. Mary is a virgin. Most virgins don't have offspring. So we just kind of get used to that. But think about that for a minute. Offspring of a virgin's womb. That's pretty incredible. So uh, don't forget that part of the Christmas story. Now, the real interesting one. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. All right. First of all, it's kind of neat to rhyme a word with deity, and we don't use deity very much in our songs. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see hail the incarnate deity. What is this about? All right, there's that word incarnate. You notice we also use that word incarnate every Sunday when we say the creed. We say that Jesus was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. When we, we changed the, the translation, uh, ten, what, 10 years ago now? Uh, people got all in a, a tizzy because like, well, people understand what incarnate means? Well, the answer is no. No one will understand what incarnate means unless I tell you. And you care enough to know about what incarnate means. So you sing it at Christmas all the time. So let's understand what this means. Hail the incarnate deity. Deity is God. A deity is a God. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. So what do we got here? Well, we've got, as I said, Adonai, God, has taken on flesh. So normally you can't look at God and see him and still live. So it's as if, poetically here, the author is saying, 
God has veiled himself in flesh or hid himself in flesh so that we could see him because God the Father is pure spirit. God the Holy Spirit is pure spirit and you can't see spirits. But the second person of the Holy Trinity, one of the Godhead, did in fact take on flesh. He veiled himself in flesh so we could, the Godhead, see and we could hail the incarnate deity. Incarnate just means in flesh. Carne in Latin means flesh. So incarnate means in flesh. Literally, God in the flesh. That's deep. Okay, and that's, that's neat. It even rhymes. So hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Now I hate this in modern things because they'll go, oh, we can't talk about man. We need, we need men and women to be inclusive. Well, it doesn't quite work here because pleased as man, this is saying that Jesus became a man, okay? So the second person of the Godhead, when he became incarnate, carne, flesh, has either male or femaleness to it. When Jesus became incarnate, he became a man. So he's pleased as man. So as a man, Jesus is pleased with men to dwell. Notice, it's a play on man and men. Jesus is a man, he comes to dwell with men and women. But, pleased as man with men and women to dwell, just doesn't, it doesn't work quite as well. So, get that, Jesus becomes man, and he's happy to be with us. That's what it's saying. He is completely one of us. He's not like faking being man. He really puts on our flesh and becomes one of us. And so that's what that whole verse is saying. He's as happy being one of us as we are being us means he's completely man, okay? Jesus, our Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So all that is pretty deep, what we would call Christology. What's true about Jesus the Christ? He is God who has existed from all time, who at a point in time puts on flesh, but not like something fake, really takes on our entire human existence and becomes one of us, and therefore God is with us, Emmanuel. Pretty cool? All right. From the incredibly theological to something a little lighter, Deck the Halls. Cindy, you got Deck the Halls up there. All right. We're, we're just going to do one verse of Deck the Halls because that's what you know. Um, so, Deck the Halls. Follow law and all that. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly, la 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 la. Dawn, we now are gay apparel, la 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 la. Troll the ancient Yuletide carol. Really hits you right there. Each falala refers to one of the sheep that the shepherds were. No, there, there's. Falala has no theological meaning whatsoever. It's filler. But, okay. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Like, whatever. Okay. Actually, holly. All right. I, the reason I said let's do deck the halls is so we would not do all, like, oh, it's super religious music. Actually, okay. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Why holly? Notice that at Christmas time there are tons of songs about holly. The holly and the ivy when 
you know, we got, you know, all kinds of, of holly stuff. Why holly? Well, first of all, it is evergreen. It's one of those evergreen things. So life, evergreen, but particularly the berries. The whole little song, The Holly and the Ivy, talks about how the, the holly berry is white and it turns red. The, the, the church always saw the, the pointy and sharpness of the holly leaves is kind of like the crown of thorns and the red berries as kind of like the blood of Christ. So the original reason to decorate with holly and things is because it's meant to point forward to the passion of Jesus, actually. So when you hear holly at Christmas, uh, first of all, it reminds me of my friend Holly in Colorado, uh, quite frankly. Her name's Holly, and uh, every time I see a holly bush, I take a picture of it and I send it to her. Happy Holly Day, a little hashtag. Um, so yeah, if your name is Holly at Christmas, it's just, you're going to be thought of by everybody. Uh, but we should also think of Jesus, because it's meant to remind us of his passion. Um, so, tis the season to be jolly. Alright, be happy, you know, it's the season. Dawn we now our gay apparel. Most of us do not do much dawning and do not have much gay apparel, at least not as that's the way we refer to it. But we do dress up, we go to Christmas parties, we put on happy clothes. Then we troll the ancient Yuletide carol. What's a troll doing in, in Christmas? Okay, uh, I love Christmas carols because we use all these like archaic English words that we never use and everyone's like the party. Troll the ancient Yuletide. What does troll mean? I have no idea, but I just troll the ancient Yuletide carol. Okay, I'm not going to talk about troll. It, it, it means to, it's like to sing kind of in a round, like you, you pass it around and everyone takes a verse kind of that. It's a happy sort of singing. Think of it that way. I want to talk about Yuletide. And I don't mean Roll Tide for all the Bama fans out there. I mean Yuletide. What the heck? Because if there's another word that we get all the time at Christmas, it's all about the Yule. And you're like, is that like a northern version of y'all? Yule? No. Uh, Y-U-L-E. In the fireplace is the Yule log. You know that one? Run DMC. In the fireplace is the Yule log. Stand beneath the mistletoe as I drink eggnog. <laughs> all right, you didn't think rap was coming, did you? I got a fan over here. Okay, no, but there's all kinds of references to Yule at, what is this? Okay, especially, uh, this, this probably comes from the Middle Ages sometimes, maybe as early as like 900, uh, in, in Northern Germany, Scandinavia. There was a tradition uh, during probably about the 12 days of Christmas, so from Christmas until Twelfth Night, you know, Shakespeare's play Twelfth Night, that, that's, that's what that is. From the 25th to the 6th of January, that's the 12 days of Christmas. There's a song about that if you haven't known. So anyway, during that time, the tradition was to grab a tree. And in this time, not to decorate it, but to grab a huge log and, and feed it into your fireplace from the end. This is the Yule log. And the idea was to burn it each night of the 12 days of Yuletide uh, that lasted until 12th night on the 12th day of Christmas. And then, traditions varied, but you would take what's left over of the Yule log and you're supposed to put it under your bed to keep you safe in the previous year from, of all things, fire. So when you hear Yule, realize that that is kind of referring to Christmas time and the tradition of keeping the 12 days of Christmas by burning a big, huge tree. I, 
they literally say, and I, I Googled this today, so this is legit. You took a tree and just dragged it in. Imagine your fireplace is right there. You just shove the tree in and light the end on fire. I don't know. And there are different traditions that in the, the merchant guilds and things like that, the serfs got the days off as long as the Yule log would burn. So you wanted to get a really big log and things like that. I don't know. Just so you know. You hear Yule, that's what it's about. So now you're smarter than your average people and you know how to troll the ancient Yuletide carol. Okay, back to something a little more uh, religious. Um, how about a little O Come, uh, All You Faithful? And uh, you probably know the first verse of this. So we'll, we'll do the, the first verse together, why don't we? And, and then I'll take the, uh, the second verse, because it's, it's a little advanced. I, I thought when we did this, like, Cindy would kind of sing, and we'd pass it back and forth, and she's like, no, why do you sing? I can't play the organ, so this is a good deal. Um, a little, oh, come on, you faithful. Or a Deste Fidelis, if you prefer. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to softer and then louder on the O Come Let Us Adore Hymns. That was great. Um, in, in Latin, that's Venite Adoremus. You hear that a lot in Christmas. If you hear that, O Come Let Us Adore Him. All right, so you got all the come all you faithful stuff. That's nice. Come be happy again. Now, this second verse thing. God of God, light of light. Where do we hear that? The Creed. Every Sunday. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made. You know what that is? That is the official proclamation final document of the Council of Nicaea in 325. God from God, light from light. Deum de deum, lumen de lumine. That's, that's what we're trying to say that uh, 
Arius, a priest, said that Jesus wasn't really God. He's, he's a human being. He's created. And then later he becomes God. So what are we seeing? No, he's God from God, light from light. True God from true God. Lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. So throw in a little virgin womb thing again. Just to say, hey, mind blown. Remember, virgin's womb gives birth. How does that happen? Just to throw that in there. Very God. Begotten, not created. He is God. He is not a creature. Like Arius said, he is begotten, eternally begotten, we would say, of the Father. So the Trinity, constantly existing, does not come into existence. Uh, very God, I mean true God. Very God means true God. He is begotten, not created. And the reason why that's so cool is because Arius, who was a heretic, said, no. Uh, I think he was created. Yeah, Jesus was a man. Clearly he was a man. We saw him walk around. He cried. He ate. He slept. He did all these human things. So Jesus was a man. In fact, he was just a man. And then he became a super, super good man uh, who God kind of raised. All right. You can say that, but you'd be a heretic. So don't do that because here's the true story of Santa Claus, at least one of them. Santa Claus who is a real person, of course, St. Nicholas, he was at the Council of Nicaea. True story. And this Arius guy who was saying Jesus wasn't God, he's up there and he's preaching away, Jesus wasn't God, he became God kind of later. You know what Santa Claus did? He got up and punched Arius in the face. True story. At least as far as we can tell from the fourth century, that's a true story. So. Santa Claus, yes, he brings presents to good little girls and boys who are on the nice list, but he punches heretics in the nose. So you better be good, for goodness sake. All right? Okay, any, any questions so far about that? Okay, all right. Um, I don't know if we have time for all of these. Uh, maybe, maybe of the Father's love be God. You want to look at that real quick? Yeah, this is, this is one you might not know. This is... This is a Christmas, uh, very uh, important um, theological one. Uh, it's called Of the Father's Love Begotten, and again speaks in a, a Christological sort of way about who Jesus is. So. I'll, I'll have to sing it for you because I don't know if you got this one close at hand. Or I can just sing it. Holy 
receiving for the Savior of our race. And the babe the world's redeemer first revealed his sacred face. Evermore and evermore. Oh, gosh, I just love that one. Uh, it's got that beautiful, even if you didn't know what the words were, you kind of know that's just soft and beautiful about Christmas. But again, notice what it says there, of the Father's love begotten. Okay, again, anytime you hear the word begotten, think he, he came into existence not by being created, but by being birthed into existence. Um, ere the worlds began to be, meaning before there was even the world. So Jesus did not start to exist in year zero in Bethlehem when he was born as a little baby. Jesus existed forevermore and evermore from the beginning. That first line of the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God, that, that's, that's already God, the Trinity, who speaks his word and creates everything. Jesus already existed then. But he, he's Alpha and Omega. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He's the source and he's the ending of the things that are, that have been, that future years will be. Jesus has made all that, of everything that ever was, that is right now, that will be. Jesus is the author of all that. So, so much more than simply a little baby who was born in time. And then we speak of that birth, that birth forever blessed, when the virgin, full of grace, by the Holy Ghost conceiving, brought forth the savior of our race. Just beautiful poetry there, but deep with theology. Jesus is the savior of the human race. So he's born in time. The babe is the world's redeemer. Notice that most of the people at the time Jesus was born, they missed who he was. They were looking for the coming of the Messiah. Like I said, it's late in time, but they had in mind like some big powerful military leader who would come and, and take over and, and rule and be a true redeemer. So when they thought redeemer, they thought someone who's gonna defeat the Romans. Someone who's going to increase our political standing in the world. That's what they're looking for. There's a beautiful scene in that, that movie that came out several years ago called The Nativity Story. Uh, if, if you haven't seen that, it's, it's a beautiful, it, it's done by uh, some Protestant interpretation of the birth of Jesus. But there's a beautiful little moment that I love where, so Herod gets news about, you know, this newborn king of the Jews is coming. The Messiah is coming. Uh, and so he, of course, panics, as we see when the, the Magi arrive. And so he actually decides, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nip this in the bud. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a census. And so everyone will have to return to their town. And the Messiah is supposed to come from Bethlehem. So when the Messiah returns to Bethlehem for my census, I'll find him and I'll kill him. So Herod is looking for a military leader as well. And so there's a beautiful scene in the Nativity story where of course Mary and Joseph are going to Bethlehem for the census and they stop them. The soldiers stop them on the road and there's Mary on the donkey and there's Joseph and the soldiers like interrogating Joseph. Where are you from? Well, I'm, I'm from Bethlehem. Hmm, okay. What, what are your political ambitions? What are you looking to do? And Joseph is like, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just a poor carpenter from, from Nazareth. I'm coming for the census. And, and so the Roman soldiers are ultimately, nah, this isn't him. 
And so they, they let Mary, with Jesus inside, slip right into Bethlehem. It's, it's almost like the, the Trojan horse kind of thing in, in uh, Greco-Roman history where, yeah, there's the Messiah coming to Bethlehem. Just like Herod got that part right, the Messiah is going to Bethlehem, but his little baby hidden inside Mary. It's as if Jesus is kind of, rather than coming as some military conqueror, that kind of redeemer, he instead kind of slips silently behind the enemy lines uh, and, and therefore is able to come in secretly and, and not be found by Herod. All right. Um, yeah, so Silent Night, uh, we kind of know that one. I put that down there. Do you guys have any songs you want to hear of? I got Silent Night. I got Joy to the World. I got a little bit of Oh Holy Night. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. That's some of what's a preview if you don't say anything. But is there any verse in any Christmas carol that you have that you're like, Father Sean, explain this. I have no idea. Okay, go for it. Rudolph. <laughs> All right. You think I No, no, I'm good. I'm a professional. Priests have to know about Rudolph, okay? So, all of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names because he's different. You know, he's got his, his red nose. And everyone thinks, oh, how stupid. A reindeer with a red nose. What are you going to do with a red nose? And so it makes him different, and so Rudolph sticks out. And the other reindeer don't like that. So they make fun of Rudolph because it's easy. He wears it right on his face. So they used to laugh and call him names. Like, um... Pinocchio. Yeah, because he had a, a long nose. Okay? All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They wouldn't let him play in any reindeer games. So right away, we should feel sad for, for Rudolph because he's excluded. He's, he's not deemed worthy like the other reindeer. And so they, they kind of bully Rudolph and they kick him out. But, as God often does, God chooses what the world isolates and says, you're not good enough, you're different. God says, no, no, I like different. Have you ever seen The, the Chosen uh, right now? It's like, get used to different. It's on the t-shirts. Yeah, that's awesome. God says, no, I like different. I like special because I created everyone unique. And the greatest mistake we could make in our Catholic faith is to not be who God made us to be. So there's a sad little part in Rudolph where he tries to hide his nose. It's very sad. He, he puts a, a little cap on and he has to talk like yes because I don't like my nose. Because his dad is embarrassed. I mean, how many times does that happen? Our parents, maybe, you know? It's not all roses. Sometimes our parents shame us. Kids shame us. Our peers shame us. Maybe your pastor shames you. No. Father Mark is great. Um, uh, but yeah, society is going to tell you you're no good. You have to hide your uniqueness. But God who sends a saint, Saint Nicholas, Santa Claus, comes to little Rudolph, who's down and out, and says, oh no, then one foggy Christmas night, Santa Claus comes, Saint Nicholas. He says, look, I know about noses. I punched Arius in the nose. His nose is flat now, because he was a heretic. Rudolph was not a heretic. He wanted to bring Christmas joy to everyone, so Santa says, Rudolph, I like that you're different. God made you different. So with your nose so bright, Will you be the leader, the most important reindeer of my whole team 
tonight on Christmas Eve. This is what God does. He takes the lowly and the downcast and the out and says, no, no, I made you that way. Rudolph, that red nose you've got, it's important. It's special, and now you're not going to be isolated. You're going to be the head of everything. Kind of like Mary was just a little girl. Like, what's a little girl going to do in, in Nazareth, in the middle of nowhere? God says, no, no, that's what I want. You are going to be the mother of God. Leading Santa's sleigh, it's a close second. Mother of God leads Santa's sleigh, pretty important. So then, of course, all the reindeer loved him. Now, I don't know about you, and they, they shouted out with glee, whoopee, okay. Why? Because now Rudolph is popular. Don't pick friends that stick by you when you're popular, okay? There's, there's the nice little reindeer that stuck with Rudolph when he was kind of alone and down and out. Those are the friends you want, not the people who are like, oh, Rudolph, you're so great now because you're number one. Those people would all be gone if Rudolph broke his leg and couldn't lead Santa's sleigh. Why a flying reindeer would need a leg that works, I don't know. But you notice when they fly, the, the reindeer do the little thing with their legs. So somehow, I guess if you broke your leg, you couldn't fly. I don't know. I don't know how flying reindeer work. But pick people who see God in you like Santa Claus, not like the other stupid reindeer. Now, we hope that the other reindeer had a conversion, and they're like, you know, Rudolph actually was pretty good all along. And so maybe we can learn to see people that way too. So he went down in history. End of story. And now we don't want Okay? All right. So there's a little bit of Rudolph. Oh, thanks. Just the way I wrote it. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe. Okay, here's a little O Holy Night. Um, I have no idea if I can sing O Holy Night. I play it on my trumpet. Um, tell you what. What, what key you got that in? All right. This is the uh, this is the second verse, maybe even the third verse of O Holy Night that we we never get to hear. And if this just all falls apart, it's because I've never sung it. So I don't. Lie the light of faith That's too high for me. Okay. You, you're a singer? Oh, Father Mark! Yay! Welcome, Father Mark! My light of faith. Yeah, you can have some words. It is a great song. Do you know this verse? I know all. What key are we in? Led by the light of faith serenely beaming with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here come the wise men from Orient land. The King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials, born to be our friend. 
it still fell apart, but I'm not willing to give up on it yet. I'm going to come myself. This is like the parable of the vineyard where, you know, like they, they send servants and they kill the servants. And they finally say, well, I'll send my son to the vineyard workers. They'll respect him. It's like, that's what God is saying. I got to get down there myself. And he comes to be our friend. And this is what it's really, why it matters to say that Jesus is truly veiled in flesh, that he is incarnate. Why, why does incarnate matter? Because he knows our need to our weakness is no stranger. Jesus took on everything we are, not just the physical flesh. By seeing he became incarnate, remember I said, who knows what incarnate means? Well, nobody if I don't tell you. So when you hear the word incarnate in the creed, when we say he became incarnate of the Virgin Mary, don't think highfalutin language, I don't know what that means. Think he's our friend. He knows our need and our weakness. He is no stranger. It means he took on everything we are and became truly one of us as a little baby lying in the manger. That's what incarnate means. And if you want to translate incarnate, you have to say all that because that's what it means. Behold your king before him lowly bend. And of course, at that beautiful moment in that verse, the three kings are there uh, bending uh, before God. I just, I just love that. Okay, maybe a, a little bit of a, a modern one. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Uh, this is one, it's a, actually a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow uh, at the end of the, the, the war. And it, it's looking like there is no peace because there's been war and destruction. And how many times, like maybe a little bit like us here celebrating COVID, um, our, our churches, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Will, will the church be full? Will those people who only come at Christmas come back? Maybe they'll never come back. We don't know. We don't know what it's going to look like. But it, it is kind of as if we're in the midst of a war. I mean, we've been depleted. People are hiding uh, because we're scared. Well, this is a, li a little bit what Longfellow was, uh, was noting. Uh, so he, he wrote this poem. I, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. And true story, last year, um, so when Father Mark and I got here in the summer, if you remember that the bells weren't working, um, and I, you know, didn't know why. So I, with my computer science background, engineer, I'm like, I'll fix it. I'm like, okay, and turned into a pretty big project of rewiring things and going everywhere. But, but we fixed it. And right, pretty much before the Advent Christmas season, and I remember I was standing on Christmas morning out in front of the church, and the bells started up at 9 a.m. like I have them set to do, and they're supposed to play seasonal music. And it was literally playing, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. And it was one of the first times that we got the bells working. Uh, and I'm there standing in front of the church, and I, I hear the bells on Christmas Day playing. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. There, there, it was an old, familiar carol. They were, they were not trolling. The, they were, however, tolling the traditional carol. Um, yeah, I might just read this. If you want to play the music behind it, and then if I feel like, you know, singing. Yeah. Familiar 
and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, good will to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, good will to men, till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the heaven stones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. sadness there that the war has drowned out the peace. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to man. Beautiful message of hope that despite the noise of the war, literally referring to the cannons, the bells, they more loud and deep, drowned out the, the noise of the war and all that is bad. God is not dead. He doesn't sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. What a, a powerful message of not just the bells of Christmas, but of course, the whole message of the incarnate word of God who comes, who says, no, the little baby in the manger in Bethlehem is the, the redeemer who is going to triumph, that, that Herod was looking for and couldn't find, that everyone was looking for. He is the one. Who, who not only silences all the violence, he, he does overcome COVID. In the end, God will come, Emmanuel with us at Christmas, and he will right the wrongs. One of the great, I think, truths that points to the reality of the existence of God is all of us in this world have a desire for justice. We know when things are wrong. We, we look at poor Rudolph and him being made fun of, and we say, that's not right. That's not right. Every little kid from the time they're young knows not fair, not fair. We know when things are wrong and we want them to be right. And that's the message of God coming among us, God with us, Emmanuel, is that he will make things right. And notice not perfectly in this world. That's why if you heard the homily this weekend, this pink candle, Rose, is still in the middle of a bunch of purple candles. And so are we. we we're rejoicing as we go but there's still a lot of purple. And certainly this Christmas, you know, it's not unlike when Longfellow was writing those lines. It's not the violent kind of war, 
But think of how many people have died, both from the disease, but also just, there, there was a, a, a priest I saw committed suicide. He found out he got COVID and didn't understand what that was, maybe exactly, and just despaired and gave up. And how many of our, our elderly people are not being visited and have mental problems and struggles and, and people who are, are addicts and struggling can't get to their, their AA meetings or, or whatever they need. And there's a lot of violence happening right now. And there's a lot of ways in which we would say, is God paying attention? Does God care? God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Yeah. God's not dead. He's with us, Emmanuel. So maybe that's what we can really celebrate this Christmas. All right, let's end with joy to the world. Um, and, and let me preview the second verse, because we, we all know it. So just so you can join in with the second verse, maybe. No more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. No more let sins and sorrow grow. We tend not to want to think a whole lot about sin at Christmas, yet that is the mystery of why Jesus has to come. Sin and sorrow abound. But Jesus is coming. He's going to take care of that. He is going to fight the battle of sin. So no more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. This is really like... Sin has infested our world. That's why God has to come. He comes to make vengeance. He comes to take vengeance on us poor sinners. He's like, you infested the earth, so wipe you out. No, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. What curse? The curse pronounced over Adam and Eve. When they sin, the first sin, the original sin, and they get kicked out of the Garden of Eden, all of creation is now fallen. We use the word fall. It's been wrecked. When you ask, why is there COVID? Why are there bad things in this world? If God is all good and is all loving, why bad things? Well, because it's fallen. It's cursed, as it were. And it needs to be made right, as Longfellow desires. <laughs> the, the right will be made wrong. The wrong will be made right, and everything will be fixed in the end. That's... That's the good news of hope. And so just as, yeah, there's curse, well, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. So it, as St. Paul put it, uh, where sin has abounded, grace abounds all the more. That is the true good news of the coming of the Messiah. He's not angry. He's not here to get vengeance. It's like Jesus showing up on Easter morning, even after we killed him. Peace, see my hands, my feet? I'm not here for vengeance. I still wish you peace. And so the Jesus that comes to us as a little baby at Bethlehem is the same Jesus that on Easter morning shows up with the wounds in his hands and says, peace, as far as the curse is, I wipe it out because I want you to be with me forever in heaven. And that's why we long for heaven when everything is made right. All right, so let's, uh, let's end with a little joy to the world and, and maybe you can join in on that uh, a second verse. Uh, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. That's kind of nice. Notice that heaven and nature sing. That means all of creation is redeemed by the coming of Jesus. Not just men, as he is pleased as man with men to dwell, but all creation sings and joys at Christmas. So let's, let's do a little joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. 
from Adonai, that's God. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to the curse is found, for as the curse is found, for as, for as the curse is found. Dear Lord Jesus, we welcome you coming as a little baby 2,000 years ago. We welcome you here in our church, though, present in the tabernacle. As surely as you were laid lovingly in the manger by your blessed mother Mary 2,000 years ago, so your priests today in celebrating the beautiful sacrament of the Eucharist have laid you lovingly in our tabernacle here at St. Patrick's and throughout the world. As we prepare to welcome you as a little baby coming at Christmas, may we not miss your presence right here in our church every day in our tabernacle. May you indeed find welcome in our hearts at Christmas and every day. And may the beautiful gift of music provided for us by Cindy tonight and all of our voices redound your glory, that we may truly have joy in our hearts this Christmas. And may Almighty God bless you all for the coming of Emmanuel, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you all, and have a wonderful rest of your Advent. We'll, we'll see you in church. <laughs>